to those of you who are not normally with us. It's a great day for you uh, to be here, and it's also really good to have our um, youth leading us in worship today. Uh, my name is Chad. I'm the pastor of this congregation, and we'll hope, we hope that all of you can stick around a little bit later uh, after the service. If you are visiting with us, we have been going through uh, a series on, on eight important doctrines of the church. And over the last few weeks, we've focused mainly on um, the doctrine of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it could be tempting to say that now as we start talking about the church that we're moving into the lesser doctrines. Um, but this is not true. Everything that we're going to be talking about today flows out of who God is. Um, because God is a relational God. Um, I hope that you've seen over the last few weeks that there is relationship between the Father who sent his Son into the world and the Son who gave us his Holy Spirit to draw us into relationship with the Father. God is love and God is relational. So as we begin to talk about the church as God's community, um, this logically flows on from whom God is. God has created his church to be like he is. Now, if we go to our next slide, uh, some of you may have heard this said before, um, and it's kind of an okay sentiment, but even if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have died just for you. And I get the sentiment of it, but I want you to know I, I disagree with this as a truth and as a teaching. You see, even in the story of um, the lost little sheep, you know, the, the herd of a, the flock of a hundred sheep and the one that went missing, if we go to our next slide, in that story, the point of the story was not that then Jesus just went off to the one and said, now you and I will just hang out. The, the punchline of the story is that Jesus returns the one lost sheep to the flock, and there is rejoicing um, that the missing one has been found. That is to say that God loves you personally, and we, we shouldn't just think that God wants a whole bunch of people in heaven, and so he's going to save a bunch of people, and he doesn't really care who you are or what your name is. The scriptures make it clear, God knows your name. Um, my kids always joked when I used to say that the, the hairs on your head are numbered, and they would always say, well, Dad, it doesn't take very much to number yours. <laughs> but the point is, God knows your name, and he knows everything about you, and he cares about you as an individual, and that's wonderful. But God has created us to be in a family and not to be in isolation. If we go right back to the beginning of the Bible, if we look at our next slide, you might remember that when God had created the first man, Adam, he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. And we need to let that sink in. It's, it's not good for a human being, for anyone, to be alone. It's not the way that God created us to be. And that's why in Genesis we know that God finally gave Adam his wife, and he blessed the two of them. And then he said, and you're going to have a family. And he said, multiply and fill the earth. And then later on in the story of Abraham, when God is starting his 
people Israel. He takes this husband and a wife who can't have any children, and he blesses them, and he gives them a family. Later on, when Jesus comes, he says, go into the whole world and make disciples of all nations, and the great final revelation of the Bible, one that we often talk about in this congregation, Revelation chapter 7 in the last book of the Bible, I looked and there was a, a numerous congregation that no one could number from every nation and tribe and language. It's talking about the church, the final picture of the church. God loves you personally, but we were created to be in relationship. It is not good for us to be alone. If we can just look at our next slide, there's actually been a lot of um, talk about this, even in the news recently. In fact, recently, the Australian government commissioned a pretty extensive study on the issue of loneliness. In case you're wondering, governments, I mean, not to be cynical, but they don't tend to commission studies unless something has become a serious problem and it's beginning to affect society in serious ways. And within Australia, the problem of loneliness has become huge. I remember Mother Teresa years ago calling loneliness and isolation the leprosy of the West because in the same way that leprosy would eat away at the skin of people in India, so leprosy, loneliness, and isolation is eating away at society. And I'm not going to complicate all this with lots of graphs and everything, but I just wanted to show you that I read through this whole study, but one of the things that really struck me in it is that according to this, one in four Australians, so one in four people that you would meet from any age group, experience significant feelings of loneliness and isolation, and by that they described people who were very chronically depressed. They would experience that at least three days a week. In other words, one in four, about half of the week, feel chronically lonely and depressed. And that's not to mention the others who experience this in more moderate forms. But this is becoming a massive problem within Australia. And the church is one response to that. Um, I remember some time ago we had a, a guy who visited this congregation for the very first time. And I, I spoke with him afterwards, and one of the things that was interesting about him is he said, you know that this is my very first time to be at church? And I said, oh, you mean this church? And he said, no, to be at church. And I said, you mean any church anywhere in the world? That includes weddings and funerals. He said, I have never walked through the door of a church in my whole life. And I said, I love meeting people like you. Because everyone else comes and compares church to something that they've seen before. I want to know, and please be honest, tell me what did you think, and don't hold anything back. And he said, this is totally different from everything that I expected. And I said, well, what did you expect? And he goes, well, my idea of church is what I saw on TV and movies. So I walked into your building, and there were no pews, and there was no stained glass windows, and it looked like a hall. And so I kind of went, well, where's the church? And then I looked at you when you got up, and you didn't have any robes, and you didn't have any incense, and I just looked around, and it, it was nothing like what I expected. 
But we were standing there after church, like we'll do a little bit later, and we had morning tea out, and there were kids running around and people helping out with one of those kids and everything. And he goes, he goes, do you know what your church is like? And I said, what? And he goes, it's like um, like a little community. And and then he said, I'm kind of summarizing his words. He basically said, this is a really good idea. He goes, you know, what you have here is a really good idea. There are a lot of lonely people in the world, and you've got this little family where everyone looks after each other, and they come together, and they talk, and they laugh, and they they keep each other company. He goes, you know, you ought to market this. (laughs) This is a really good idea. And I said, you know what? This is actually what church is. Long before there were church buildings, they didn't even come around until 300 years after Jesus. They didn't build church buildings. People met, as you heard in the you know, earlier readings, they met in homes and various places. But, but church is community. And if we can go to our next slide, we were created for community. I'm going to shamelessly use some of the, the slides that we did about, it's been just over a year and a half that um, those of us um, who regularly attend here went through a series um, called, you know, the 40 Days of of Purpose, and we looked at some of these key ideas. And one of the big ideas when it came to church is that we are created for community. You're not, you're called to belong and not just believe. And I think the point behind this little picture here is that, you know, a healthy plant doesn't spring up out of dry ground. Um, For Christians to grow and to bear fruit and to be happy and fulfilled we need to belong, and God has given us the church as a community where we can belong. If we just go to our next slide, we have gone, during this series, have gone through what is called the Apostles' Creed, and so we looked at God the Father, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. We looked at Jesus, His Son, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. Lastly, week, we looked at I believe in the Holy Spirit. And you notice the very next line, and this is sometimes translated differently, the Holy Catholic or literally the Holy Universal Church. Because as we began to hear in the Bible reading, it is through the pouring out of God's Spirit onto his people that the church was formed. And so this begins to follow on naturally. If we could just go to our next slide Again, going back to our first Bible reading, um, it speaks about a, a big day in the church. It's called Pentecost, which is really the birthday of the church. And so after Jesus' death and resurrection, which took place around the time of the Jewish Passover, 50 days later, Jesus had spent time teaching his disciples and explaining what his death and his resurrection meant. And then we're told that he was taken up into heaven and said, I will be back. I will return to take you to be with me where I am. But then at the end of this 50 days, traditionally, there was a harvest festival because it fell at the time of the year when people would go and they would gather in their crops. And so God planned this day just perfectly that at the time that everyone said the harvest is plentiful then they would gather in the grain and gather in the fruit of the labor. Peter went out and preached to the crowd. 
He spoke about Jesus' life and death and resurrection. The people were cut to the heart, and they said, what do we need to do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and believe and receive the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that we have been given, and become part of God's family. And we're told that 3,000 people on that day were gathered in. Now, this great harvest, they were gathered in and became part of the church. That's what Pentecost was all about. And so out of this, a church was born. If we can just go to our next slide... We're told a number of things about this community, but we're told that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And every day they continued to meet together in homes and in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. As I said before, this all was happening hundreds of years before people started you know, erecting big buildings in the middle of Sydney and these great cathedrals became popular around Europe and throughout the world. People met in homes. That's where they could meet. They would, wherever they could find open space, they would meet together and eat together and share life with one another. And this is what was called church. It's not a building. It is a community. And Jesus said, wherever two or three gather in my name, I am there in your midst, and there is a church. If we can just go to our next slide, because out of that scripture verse, I don't know how many of you who attend this church are aware, um, but if you are, are new here, we picked up about five key values that we want to nurture in this church. Um, worship, um, the trying to, to do things to, to please God together. Fellowship, you know, eating and meeting and encouraging one another. Discipleship, learning from God's word and trying to become more like Jesus Christ. Ministry, serving one another and meeting the needs of one another at our local community. And finally, evangelism, the good news that we have received, we don't want to keep to ourselves, but we want to share with the world. And so these five values are the five values that, um, five of the big values that we have adopted for this church. So if we can just move on to our next slide. The, the first of these um, that I wanted to, to look at is fellowship. We heard in the reading that from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. We are a body held together by God, and the, the breath that breathes through us, the breath of the Holy Spirit, is love. Um, we, we share fellowship through the bonds of peace. We are united in Christ. And this next um, slide uh, kind of gives us one of the big pictures that we find throughout the Bible the idea that Jesus is the head of the church and that we are all members of the body. And this is significant for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, if, if my index finger said, you know, I just feel closer to God when I'm, you know, not around anyone else and I'm just out in nature, and that's fine. We all need alone time with God. Wonderful thing to do. But imagine my finger saying, I think what I'll do is just detach myself from the body 
you know, and then I can just draw closer to the head. Well, that is not the way that you are linked. If you want to know what the head has for you to do and, and why you are there as a finger and, and what, how you can serve the rest of the body, you do that in connection with God's body, with Christ's body. He is the head and we are members. But I also want to, uh, while we're here, talk a little bit about two types of church. There is a local church, which we'll talk about in a second, but we need to think a little bit about the universal church. Every single person who has ever believed in Jesus Christ is a member of the universal church. And everyone who ever has lived before us or lives now and we can't see because they're scattered throughout all of the different nations and continents in the world, and those who have yet to come, those who will live in future generations, those who believe in Jesus Christ become members of his universal church. And we will never see them in this lifetime, but that great scene in Revelation is a scene when God's church will finally be gathered together. And it's important that we think about this. We, we need to think a little bit outside of local church because the universal church is important. I'm going to give you one example why. Just over the last couple of weeks, I've been noticing, even in major news outlets and other sources, this documentary that is beginning to circulate and editorial comments being made about something that is happening in Iran right now. And I've, I checked this out. I've made sure that this is not just some dubious point. While we're hearing only in the news about the the nuclear threat of Iran and all of these sorts of things, a couple of different things are happening in the country. First of all, persecution has broken out against the church, and there have always been traditional denominational churches, buildings, and most of those have gone empty. At the same time, the people who walk around the streets of Iran are reporting, and they want to get this news out in the same way that people try to get news out of North Korea, the mosques in Iran are also emptying. There's no one inside. Because people have come to see that these are just places where angry people preach politics. So the traditional church is scattered because of the persecution, and the mosques are emptying out. But I've checked it and double-checked it. There are now the, the fastest-growing church probably in the world, is in Iran. And they simply call themselves the disciple-making movement. These people who meet in homes, and they meet with one another, and they begin by telling others about the God who created the world, that he is a God of love, that he doesn't want war, that he wants peace, that he loves you and he sent his one and only son into the world to die for you and that you have a place in heaven to be with him. And there are now 100,000 disciple makers in Iran and it is growing like wildfire. And they're mostly led by women, partly because of necessity and partly because of some cultural things. And they mostly meet in homes. And husbands and wives will kiss each other in the morning and say, I may not see you this afternoon because I'm going out to make my body a living sacrifice. I'm going out to declare Jesus Christ, come what may. 
and people are being drawn to it because they said, we have never seen anything like this. We've never seen this kind of love. We've never seen this kind of devotion. We've never seen this kind of hope anywhere. And we need to understand that we are a part of this great family. It's bigger than what we see here. But we also need the local church. And I love our church. I love CP10. It was great to go over and see some of the brothers and sisters at Strathfield this morning. It's great to be back here because we need a group like this. There are people here that I recognize and I know you by name and you say, how are you going? And you ask me questions about my life and I can do the same thing for you. And it's part of God's design that there are local churches and that's why in the New Testament there's lots of letters from Paul to little churches meeting in homes in Philippi and Colossae and Ephesus. Just little churches meeting in homes, encouraging one another and doing life together. We need to understand there is a universal, but there is also a local church. But we are formed for God's family. Next slide, please. And then we need to look at ministry. This just means service. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Um, I don't know about you when you go away for long holidays and stuff. I always enjoy them, but there's a part of me that says, I don't think I could be on holiday for the rest of my life because part of me says I need something to do. Uh, I need meaning and I need purpose. I want to feel like I'm connected. I want to feel like I'm doing something that matters in the world. Jesus said when he came into the world as God's son, I didn't come into this world to be served by others. I came into the world to serve. So if we are followers of Jesus Christ, then we are made for service. God's given you gifts and he's given you talents and the way you feel that you have meaning in your life is by using what God has given you to serve and to love other people. Which leads us to our next slide, which is worship. One of the uh, uh, great psalms of the Bible um, talks a little about, um, about this whole idea of, of worship, and it says, uh, Psalm 149, Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. God delights in his people. Um, you make God smile. You, you know when you have, if you're a parent and you have a child and you teach them what to do and then you, you see them sharing something with another child or they, they cleaned up their room without being asked and you get this smile and they go, oh, they're doing what I asked them to do. Yes! And when God sees his people gathering together in his name, serving one another and loving one another and saying, God, our Father, we, we honor you and we thank you. It makes God smile. And if you want to know what worship is, it's just this. It's whatever brings a smile to the face of God. So when we come and we sing songs to God and all that, that's great. And when we read his word and we listen, that's great. But I, I remember a woman telling me, 
I was in a big rush and I was going through the parking lot and I saw this old lady struggling to get her bags that she was carrying out of the store, her grocery bags, into her car and I was in a real hurry but I just felt like God was saying, help her. So I ran over and I said, can I help you? And she said, oh, thank you. I was just praying, God, help. I don't think I can do this anymore. And she said, it's really funny. I just felt like God was saying, go over and help her. And she went over and she took an extra minute. She put the groceries in this woman's car and the woman said, God bless you. And she walked away and she said, I felt God smiling at me. She goes, I don't remember why I was in such a rush, but it was a wonderful moment in the day. I knew that I pleased God. I knew that I helped someone else, and it made my day. We are created to worship, and we can worship when we are gathered here, and we can worship any time that you do something that you know will put a smile on the face of God. We're going to click through these next ones pretty quickly. Um, and by the way, I'm sorry, because of all the things we have to do today, we're going to have to forego Q&A today, but we'll, we'll pick it up um, another time. But discipleship is something that we'll look at next week, but we're told now go and make disciples of all nations. It takes disciples to make disciples. Um, as we grow and become like Christ, then we're able to make disciples of others. But then if we go to the final of these values, next slide, go make disciples of all nations, which means that God wants us to share the good news with people of every nation and tribe and language. I want to conclude um, with just our final slide because this sort of brings it all together. Jesus said, you know, in the whole Bible, if you don't know what it's about, he said, here's, here's how you can summarize it. Jesus said, love God with your whole heart and mind and all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love each other. If you do those two things, you fulfilled all of the laws and all of the commands of the Bible. Love is a team sport. Um, you can't play it alone. Love requires an object to love. Love requires community. And if you want to go and do some reading on all of this, go back and read 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Because 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how we're a body that has been put together to, to serve each other. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, and we're meant to do it with love. Because all people in the world will know that we are Christ's disciples as we love one another. We're going to